Welcome to Heating Up, a podcast about climate change, our dangerous future, and what you can do about it. I'm Corinne. I'm Derek. And this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, episode, I don't even know. I think we're close to the 60s now. 50-something. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone forever. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like forever. Feels like forever. Uh, it's all been under Donald, pres- Donald Trump presidency. So. Not for long. I know. Maybe. Well, probably. <laughs> probably. Probably, maybe, definitely. I'm fairly confident. Yeah. It seems okay. <laughs> but we're not doing politics today, Corinne. You're uh, welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone. We've got some news today, and we're getting back to business with actual prepping. For real. For realsies. So we've got a how-to sort of guide for later today about rainwater collection. Mm. It finally rained here in Sacramento, <laughs> and... Uh, did you collect half? No. Each? Well, see, here's the thing. Uh-oh. This was on my list of 2020 like to dos, like my New Year's resolution goals was getting my rainwater set up, mm-hmm. and I never did. And oh. then you never think about rain in the middle of July, like not usually in Sacramento. Literally, the last thing on your mind in July is, man, it's gonna rain sometime. You think maybe it'll never rain again. It might, <laughs> and actually, <laughs> fairly true. But uh, we did get a little bit of rain this weekend, and I, that made me realize I had not done it yet. So in order to encourage me to get something set up, we're doing that as our prep for today. So that'll come later in the show. First we do the news, and then we'll get to that. Very good. So other than that, nothing really new with me. Anything new and exciting with you, Corinne? Do we count watching TV? You've always counted it before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we'd stop. I'm enjoying the British Bake Off season as well as Fargo, and today I'm planning on practicing making rolls for Thanksgiving. You're going to do a a trial run of rolls? Well, I'm going to do a couple of things I want to practice, which I want to try this recipe out and see if it's good. I want to see if I can freeze the rolls after I've done it, and if they're good, like, to take out a couple days so I can make them ahead of time. Sure. I also want to try a different shape and see if that works. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, some, just gonna do some you know, what uh, else Americans test kitchen. What else is there to do right now? That's true. Hey, okay, you're so, just getting a little late into the bait game, really. And I'm not. I'm only doing it for a purpose. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing it just for fun here. So um, we are planning our Thanksgiving, yes. our family Thanksgiving, and we are trying to be responsible. Get ready, judges. Yeah. So before you guys get, send the ing- angry emails, we are doing it outside, socially distanced, with a couple of different tables, uh, so that everyone can engage at their own willingness. Uh, it'll be masks on. We're going to have little heating elements out there. We've got a plan. We are doing it good. Ish. Certainly better than Gavin Newsom's uh, oh, little break, Gavin. which we'll get to later today. We'll oh, get to that in the news. He's but uh, really yeah, don't don't uh, at us. I guess don't <laughs> at us or we, do it. You or, know? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Go for it. We're doing our best. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, we work at a place where I'm just expected every day I'm going to catch it. So yeah. I, fair enough. Whatever. And that just leads us right into the news. If you got nothing else, we can just get right into it. Okay, here we go, to the news. To the news. All right, first off, the first story, as always, uh, for the last, like, year, COVID. Yeah, Uh, still a thing, huh? Still a thing. In fact, a resurgent thing. 12 days in a row of over 100,000 new cases every day will put the U.S. over 11 million cases by the time you read this. USA. Yeah, number one. USA. We broke the record, I think, I think was it Friday? I think Friday was the highest we ever did, like at 180, almost 200,000. And then it dropped back down to like 160,000 mm. on Saturday, but still crazy high surge in the last 12 days. Well, wouldn't we have expected this following yeah. the same idea of the flu season? It's going to get worse in the winter when people are forced to be inside. And Exactly. Yeah. So it's both, yeah, pushing people inside. And then I think also people are just kind of giving up on following <laughs> the order. We're all tired of it. To be and, honest, it's been a long time. Well, in so many states, it started to open up. And yes. then when the numbers 
tell them that they should close, they're like, we're not closing again. We can't do this. So they're just staying open. And it's just not going to be great because we're getting to that point now where we're hitting like maximum capacity again. Yeah. So one of the things that's kept the death rate down is that there have been enough ventilators, been enough, you know, ICU beds. And now, especially in already in rural areas, we're getting, we're maxing out those. Yeah, it's going to be, it could be a really dark winter, I guess, as far as that goes. So not- This is why I'm going to propose we move Christmas to January 25th, everyone. I don't think you're going to get any traction on that. I think we will, because here's the thing. Everyone hates the Christmas creep, right? And it starts to destroy Thanksgiving so just make it and Halloween. No, no, no. You push it to January 25th. Give Halloween its whole month. Give Thanksgiving the whole month. I think you're just giving Christmas an extra Christmas month. Christmas gets December and January. And really, winter's only just begun by the end of December. It's really more bleak and bleary and gray and depressing in January. So give us... January 25th. Mm, no, not going to do it. Listen, I'm going to propose this, another bill someday. It's going to go nowhere. I think it's a great plan. It's a terrible plan. And it, December 25th is arbitrary anyway, so let's just make it January 25th. Uh, you need Was to re- Jesus Christ really born on January or December Absolutely. 25th? Absolutely. Okay. 100%. <laughs> right, I forget. Uh, anywho. WWJD. We're going to move along here. So what I really wanted to talk about with COVID this time is... Kind of the way, because there were a couple of stories this week about COVID. We mentioned Gavin Newsom. There's another one as well that kind of highlight exactly how the rich don't live in the same reality the rest of us do for all of the natural disasters. So one of the points we've made quite a bit about climate change disasters is... The Kardashians hire in their own firefighters. Exactly. Well, Kim Kardashian made the news about COVID this week, too. That's right. The island. Yeah, we're... You keep jumping the gun on these sorry, stories. Sorry, sorry. So the thing about disasters is there's this prevailing myth that we're all in it together, right? Oh, whenever the celebrities always hits. do that too. Like when COVID started, we're in this together, filming from their mansions. Yeah, and we all know that there's two different realities, right? And just this week, it was in a bit of stark contrast. So the two events that you know highlight this are perfectly clear. We said the first one. So our governor here in California, Gavin Newsom, was caught just hours after releasing documents about how we shouldn't travel for the holidays and everyone's Thanksgiving needs to be less than 10 people and so you can't see your family and close friends on a holiday, he was photographed at a fancy, fancy restaurant called the French Laundry. It's like a world-renowned restaurant in Napa. So he lives in Sacramento. He drove 60, 65 miles away to go to... He had to have flown. Somehow got himself... jetted. Traveled, which you're not supposed to do. Right. uh, Well outside of the county in which he lives to go to a fancy restaurant in which he dined, not exactly 100% following the protocols. He had some protocols in place, but it certainly wasn't what he had just told everyone in California to follow. What was he thinking? I don't know. Is he going out in a ball of flame because he's making all sorts of like really weird choices lately? Or I'm like... (laughs) Really, Gav? Yeah. Now? I don't know. But, I mean, that just is proving the point that, like, the rich don't live in the same reality. The other story we mentioned as well, Kim Kardashian tweeted about how she and her friends had, like, basically private COVID screening and then self-quarantined for two weeks so that she could fly a bunch of her friends to a private island where basically they could live, as she put it, hold on, I wrote down here, quote, we could pretend things were normal for a brief moment. <laughs> so they basically didn't have That's to follow normal. any distancing. They weren't wearing masks. They weren't doing anything because they had basic. They had the money to prepare a COVID-free zone for themselves. I have a question to the people who follow these people on like Instagram. How do you not 
get mad exactly all the time well i think there was some blowback to both of these events and but it just really highlights the way in which the rich are always going to escape the disasters like kim kardashian not for nothing was also the one who hired private firefighters to avoid the fires here in california when her mansion was about to catch fire but derek she hashtag black lives matter hashtag lgbtq she is with it guys yeah and i mean we see this in a lot of different ways now with the way like the professional sports are getting tested so much quicker and faster than like actual nurses and like they have all the ppe they need i mean it's just kind of really stark contrast between the haves and the have-nots with covid it's just one of these things that we're going to see more and more of as disasters become more common. So as we get into this dangerous future, we're going to see that not only do the rich get a chance to live, quote-unquote, normally, that we don't get, right? So it's not like the Uber Eats driver gets a chance to pretend COVID doesn't exist, right? But, you know, the people living in their mansion or whatever do. Also, the rich profit off of these things. Oh, yeah. Boy, Amazon's had a good year here. Not just Amazon, Jeff Bezos himself, Bezos... Is it Bezos? Who cares? I've said it right. It sounds weird when I say we it. Should Either way, it. that guy, uh, he increased his personal fortune by $73 billion during the COVID pandemic. I can't even imagine what $1 billion. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> Amazon is refusing to pay sick leave for warehouse workers. Like, it's, I mean, it's such does a he, stark contrast. Does he not see himself as an evil monster? I don't know. We live in a world where the 26 richest people control more wealth than literally 4 billion people on the planet. It's insane, and it's getting more insane. And the disasters in which we live, they will profit off of. They already have and continue to. And so we talk about right now, like, the fragility of our country politically. We're always talking, you know, there's kind of this red state, blue state, living in alternate realities things. But I think there's maybe an even bigger alternate reality sort of world in which the uber-rich and the rest of us are now living. And... I think that may be even more of an issue going forward. Like the actual just kind of more than the political division is the kind of class insecurity in which class is a really, really huge issue. Yeah, I don't know, man. So either way, I just wanted to kind of highlight that when we talk about COVID because I didn't have anything else really. It just this week really just stuck the knife in about how the rich get away with it. Stop liking rich people. Can we stop that? Like, does not everybody have this like innate hatred of the rich i feel like there are some rich that designated the good rich for some reason and like they're like oh well this person donates a marginal amount of their fortune to (sighs) dogs or something it's like they're all rich but anyways yeah no we should if i meet a rich person my instance my instinct is oh i hate you yeah you're bad enemy number (laughs) one don't like you uh, they could be a perfectly nice person, maybe in your day-to-day meetings, but what kind of shady business are they this doing behind This is why I tripped Tom mind? Hanks on the street. No, what? <laughs> just trying to you point know? out, like, a universally beloved rich person. Yeah, but, but he also has Sacramento ties, so we got to be cool with that's him. That's true, I guess. There was an article this week as well I was reading, I think it was an op-ed in The Guardian, where somebody basically said, you know, at this point, you if someone told you you could switch places with a billionaire and they had cancer and you were just you, you might still do <laughs> it. think about like, it. Like, what kind of cancer? <laughs> like, you know, and it's like, really, that's kind of the way life works right now, is if yeah. I could switch places with a billionaire who had cancer versus myself who doesn't, you can't just say no immediately. You have to think yeah, about it a little questions. bit. Exactly, which is insane the way the world is right yeah. now. So, yeah, no, not good, not good. Right. Also, I do have one other update. I forgot we were hmm. going to do this at the top. 
Last week during the news, we talked about typhoons, and we're yes. going to talk to typhoons. Let's all later. remember the time Derek didn't know some basic thing well, about some people... about the world. Everyone remember that time Derek didn't know what a typhoon was. I know what a typhoon is. Okay, I didn't do know we? the difference between a typhoon and a hurricane. And some of our listeners decided to point that out. They got in touch via email, and. It's a bit of a trick question. Apparently, there <laughs> is no true difference between a typhoon and a hurricane, except where they occur. Typhoons Which are in the North Atlantic. But or, Derek, sorry, typhoons just are in... let me gloat at you that you didn't know some basic I didn't thing. know that there wasn't a difference. So, yes, thank you, the listeners who got in touch and let us know that there isn't any. But we'll uh, never forget. Okay, we'll <laughs> never forget. Never mind that you don't know either. <laughs> that but... doesn't matter. I admit I don't know stuff. Meanwhile... The news. Bit of an update from those typhoons. Typhoon Vomco, the latest in the string of typhoons, has battered the Philippines. Uh, it left a wake of destruction last Friday. At least 14 dead and 14 missing after triggering the worst flooding in the capital city of Manila in years. They can just move this capital city, though. That's uh, <laughs> Indonesia. I, but, I'm uh, just... Obviously. More than one million people were left with no electricity on the main island of Luzon, including the capital region, uh, with more than 400,000 forced to flee their homes. Eesh. That's an insane amount. 400,000 yeah. is a ton of people. Yeah, it is. Um, and yeah, one million without electricity. That's insane. The typhoon called Ulysses locally slammed into the country on Wednesday, spawning destructive winds and torrential rains. Uh, Vamco was the 21st tropical cyclone to hit the Philippines this year. That's the what number? 21st. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, it's just insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even, uh, I don't even know, like storms are just battering the hell out of the philippines it's mm -hmm. not a great story meanwhile back home north carolina's governor issued a statewide state of emergency declaration friday as the death toll from severe flooding that wreaked havoc across the state on thursday continued to rise uh, at least 12 people have been reported dead due to the flooding charlotte picked up over four inches of rain in about four hours from 6 a.m to 10 a.m uh, accuweather senior meteorologist david huke said uh, for comparison, Charlotte typically receives about 3.14 inches of rain on average during the entire month of November. Mm. So when it rains like that, it's just you're, the ground can't absorb it. Right. And useless. so it, it creates flash flooding conditions, which can be really dangerous. They can cover roads. And so a lot of the, the injuries or the fatalities came from flooded roads and cars hydroplaning and stuff like that. It's just, yeah. yeah. So that was North Carolina this week. And then... You know what? I'm kind of done with the sad news. I got one hey, other story. You that... finally got done with the sad news. <laughs> I'm going to skip. Is I had some other bad stories. We're not going to cover them. So We're you're all welcome, grateful. Thank, that's what I'm thankful this We year. have one less tragic story here. So, okay. Uh, in Colorado, there was more than Biden v. Trump on the ballot this year. I don't know if you saw this one. Uh, residents got to vote on Proposition 114. Uh, a historic measure that would require Colorado officials to restore and manage the gray wolf population in the western portion of the Ooh, state. Ooh, how'd that do? Well, here's the thing. In 2019, a survey of potential Colorado voters showed overwhelming support for the initiative. Oh, no. Uh, with 84% of respondents saying that they would vote in favor well, of it. Well, when you say it like this, I know where it's headed, Derek. Yeah, as of Friday afternoon on the state election site, it was reporting a 50-49 split with more than 33,000 votes tipping the odds pro-wolf. So, well, so it's close, but it looks like Prop 114 is going to pass, which is... That but not as overwhelming as we thought. Sure. So there's a, obviously like 30% of the population said they were going to vote for it and then didn't, which I think is fair because I think when it comes right down to it, like 
wolves and their reintroduction into the West is really such a fascinating topic. Like, I could spend hours talking oh, about, like, boy, you have. Uh, wolf mythology, <laughs> like, what it means to the American West, the yeah. wolf, and, like, yeah. the, the conflicts with ranchers and what, like, you know, mm-hmm. how they view them and, like, just people in general. Because it's one of these weird things with Colorado as well has a couple of huge urban areas where most of the people live. And then it has lots of rural land where the wolves would be. Right. And like voters in Denver or, you know, Colorado Springs might like the idea of wolves out there on mm-hmm. the on the plains. But the people that actually run their cattle out there definitely do not want the wolves out there. And so it becomes a question of like public land use. So who actually gets to say? Well, to me, this is the most classic American thing that there is. Like, yeah. you know, it... it you can't just disregard these people who have been doing work on ranches and for years and years who say like, uh, this, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a problem for me over here. But at the same time, you're like, uh, yeah, but wolves are supposed to be here. <laughs> sure. But there's a way for people to work with the land. They just, we need to figure out a nice Well, and it balance. definitely becomes a bit of like the big city telling the little country what to do. Mm-hmm. Where it's like if voters in Denver vote for wolves, they don't have to deal with wolves eating their True. cows or coming onto their ranch and Absolutely. things. And so you do feel slightly bad for the farmers and the ranchers out there. Slightly. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, public lands are managed by everyone. Mm-hmm. So everyone should get a say it's just an interesting like dynamic i love it i I mean it's fascinating it gets into every aspect it gets into what makes you like an american western man or whatever like it just it's very classic american to me and i think that's why some people are like we still need the electoral college (laughs) (laughs) i guess sure for exactly these sort of reasons but i don't know i'm not agreeing with that let me be clear we're just gonna (laughs) call it a win though like all right wolves are gonna be back so it looks like they're they're gonna pass the measure Mm -hmm. uh which means pause on the ground by 2023 ground Um, very cute yeah so looks like uh, a win i'm gonna take it in 2020 we're gonna take that as a win uh, obviously, there's going to be more stories, more trouble. I'm sure some of those wolves are going to get magically disappeared, as they have in other locations where they've been introduced. But in the most part, it's been a success. Wolves have been reintroduced have up and down su- the West. But they so. did that in Yellowstone, not that They long. did it in Yellowstone, like, now, maybe two decades ago. Yeah. But Oregon, Idaho, they've been, you know, we had that group that dropped down into California for a little bit. I don't think they're still here. I think they moved back. But uh, there has been no actual, like, designated introduction in california Mm -hmm. but yeah no it's a interesting fascinating topic and we had a victory in it so let's celebrate that and end the news on another high point yay wolves yeah pro wolf we're a pro wolf podcast (laughs) our niece very much loves or my niece your daughter loves wolves yeah that's true all right that is the news corinne that's it light on the news thank god yeah (laughs) couldn't take it couldn't take it it's been a long four years We haven't even been on this podcast for four years. Uh, Donald Trump's presidency, you know, that's how I measure time. Okay. Uh, Now it is time for the prep. All right. So this week's prep is rainwater collection, which is a really classic one. Again, in trying to think of topics that like would be useful for the most number of people, collecting rainwater, I think, is a really good one and a good one for climate change preparedness in general. Sure. Because water is scarce, right? And as the climate change uh, starts heating up, it becomes even more scarce. And because we live in a capitalist hellscape, we even have to pay for our water, right? Even if you can't drink it, Flint, Michigan. So finding a free source of water is like the duty of everyone fighting the man, right? Uh, It's also a really smart way to reduce your costs around the house as well as your carbon footprint. 
Right. So just great idea. Luckily for us, water still falls from the sky. Sometimes. Sometimes. The problem is, of course, trying to find a safe, efficient way to catch all that free sky water and then use it where you want it when you want it. Mm -hmm. And that whole process is what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Uh, For most people, the easiest way to collect that rain is to catch it before it hits the ground. You generally need to collect more rain than you can get by simply leaving a bunch of buckets outside. Like, at (laughs) the lowest level... Well, at the lowest level, you could literally like go outside with a bucket in the rain and hold it out there and catch like rainwater. Set it on the ground. I nope, mean, who's going to stand it. out there? <laughs> but you generally want to be a little more efficient. Luckily, if you live in a house, you probably have a roof. Don't live in a house. Nope. Uh, but even in apartment buildings, you can put buckets and stuff up on the roof. And yeah, there are ways. We'll talk a little bit about apartment rainwater collecting, okay. which is a thing you can find out about on the internet. But if you live in a in a house. It probably has a roof with a gutter system designed to efficiently transport the rainwater off of the roof and away from the building. Mm-hmm. All you're going to do is basically hijack into that system. Yeah. And then store it rather than letting it go away, which is really cool. And you can collect a ton of water this way too. We can we know exactly like how much water falls like in a square inch over whatever. None of that makes any sense. It to doesn't me, make by any sense. Way. But let me tell you <laughs> some of the calculations here. So there's a, actually the U.S. Geological Service has a rainwater calculator or rainfall calculator you can use if you want. So I did a little bit of calculation here. In the United States, the average rainfall, so just average location in the U.S., is about 32 inches a year, which is actually a lot. Here in Sacramento, we're at a little over half of that at about 17 inches a year. Mm. To make these calculations easy, we'll go even lower than that. Let's say you are at 10 inches of rain a year. Okay. Right, and that's like what San Diego gets or Phoenix gets like nine and a half or something. Mm-hmm. Then let's say you live in a really tiny shack with a 10 foot by 10 foot roof. Okay. Right? A 10 foot by 10 foot roof collecting 10 inches of rainwater will collect 623 gallons. That's a lot. That's a decent amount of water. Uh, especially if you're dealing with just, you know, watering a yard or watering a garden with it or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a decent amount. And again, most of us live in a place with more rain and have more roof than that. Well, that's what I was going to say about collecting rainwater. That's not going to be water you're necessarily going to straight up be drinking, right? You're typically going to use this for some other some other use. We're going to talk about whether you can drink it or not, because there are some myths about rainwater collection. So some frequently asked questions. First of all, let's go right into it, I guess. Whether you can drink it is a surprisingly complicated question. Okay. Uh, if you just Google it, you're going to get both kinds of answers. You're going to get <laughs> yeses and nos and maybes uh, on the internet. That maybe they're all a little bit true. They are a little bit true. So I'm going to get into it here. The two, compli- yeah, the two complications that make a big difference here are whether the rain that falls from the sky on your roof is already polluted when it gets to your roof. Right. So if you live in a place very industrial-like with a lot of pollution, that pollution falls from in the rain, right? Mm-hmm. And so nothing you can really do is going to stop that pollution from getting into that bucket. Generally... Most people are going to say you don't want to drink it a lot. Like, you don't want that to be your primary source. If you take a sip of it, you'll probably be fine. If you drink gallons and gallons of it, you might get some stuff in you you don't want. There are things you can do to prevent, like, too much buildup of that. But generally speaking, treat your water just like you would any other, like, open source of water you find. Mm -hmm. So, you know, bleach it, do whatever, treat water, filter it out, and you should be able to drink it. The other source of contaminant that people talk a lot about is the roof itself. Right, of course. So um, a lot of people have... a lot of birds poop up there, a lot of chemicals in that roofing material. Yeah, so most people, like myself, have asphalt singles on their roof, 
And asphalt is made out of all sorts of terrible things. I don't even right. know what, but definitely contains things I don't want to be eating or drinking. And that will, of course, somehow, you know, small amounts of that Tainted. will get into the water. Yeah. There have been a number of studies showing, like, you know, scientific studies on water collected off of roofs. And the vast majority of them say that especially if you flush, like, the first rain, so, like, Oh, get that If you initials. just basically don't collect the water off the first rain mm -hmm. and then collect it for after that, after the first couple of inches fall or first inch kind of cleans the rain roof off. It's the same idea as like when you go driving and you got to be really, really careful that first drive because the oil is all on the ground. And then after the couple of rains, then it's you're a little going bit, 80 miles per hour. Then the you just hydroplane, hydroplane like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, no. So generally speaking, that water is going to be fairly safe to drink in small quantities filter it if it's going to be like a primary drinking source certainly probably not a great idea to make that your primary drinking source but using it in plants and even in your garden so for watering food you plan to eat mm -hmm. usually it'll be okay without filtering yeah um, there are things you can do like i said get that first flush out of the way mm -hmm. and then just make sure you're not like dredging the bottom of the barrel where the sediment might build oh, up yeah um so let that last inch go exactly <laughs> but for the most part it should be fine to use for almost anything okay uh, but that's a big myth yeah the other one we hear a lot about is whether it's even legal to collect rainwater. What? Yeah. So Squirt. this is another, talking about classic American West sort of like images, water rights is a thing. Like whiskeys for drinking, waters for fighting over out here in the American <laughs> West. And so there are a lot of really weird rules about collecting water. The good news is basically it's a lot overblown. If you're just a normal person living in a house or a place that you own or rent, you can generally collect rainwater for personal use. So this is more of a rule for companies. Yeah, most of it is more for companies, uh, especially if you're planning to use it for non-potable, so non-drinking sources, right, mm. uh, is fine. If you plan on drinking it or selling it in particular, then you've got an issue. This sounds like a good rule. <laughs> yeah, if you plan on collecting a huge amount of it as well, then you might run into some complications. But, like, obviously know your local rules, but for most places in the United States, you can, you're fine collecting water, water off your own damn roof. This yeah. is still Murica. You can do what you want with the water that falls on your roof. Okay, but those and those rules make sense to me. You don't want people catching rainwater and selling it for two dollars or whatever. Yeah, and you don't know how sanitary those conditions are sure. and whatever. Obviously, there are some differences county to county in certain places, so it's best to know exactly. Look it up in your place. But here in Sacramento, you can collect it as you want. But if you're going to use it for, like, landscaping purposes, so basically, if you're going to, like, collect rainwater and build, like, a permaculture, like, mini pond in your yard, oh, okay. or, like, if you're going to use waterfall. rainwater to fill your swimming pool or something, then there might need to be, like, a permit. But for the most part, you should be fine collecting, Boy, you know, a barrel of water. It for your pool, that might take a while. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. So just Google the law in your area to be 100% sure, but it's generally fine. Okay. And then the last big question is cost. So a lot of people want to know how much something like this can cost. And it can vary quite a bit. Basically depends on how complicated of a system you want and how much, like, what are you really trying to do with it? Again, if you just want to put a bucket under your downspout. Pretty cheapsies. <laughs> pretty cheapsies. Uh, it goes up from there. I mean, you could put a huge underground storage tank of a thousand gallons and you know make it you know pressurized so it comes Kim out of Kardashian a style yeah and that will cost you quite a bit more but luckily there are many many ways to make you know a kind of feasible at home normal person system <laughs> uh for very cheap i'm talking under a hundred dollars soup to nuts 
Soup to nuts again. again yeah. Exactly. Especially if you have a little bit of DIY skill. So if you can do it yourself and this is not a complicated project. So we're going to kind of walk through the steps of it here in a little bit. But yeah, you can get out the door with $100 worth of material and make yourself a pretty, pretty, pretty good uh, rainwater collection system. Okay. All right. So let's get into building your system, right? As I said before, there are a lot of options and everybody's system is going to be a little bit different because everybody's needs are a little bit different. Everyone's going to have different levels of engagement with their, you know, how much rainwater they want to store. Mm -hmm. It's best to probably start reasonably small and then scale up. And so we're going to talk about a home water system that most people can do. And we're going to talk about what you need for those sort of things. If you're planning on installing a 100,000-gallon tank or this something like that, this podcast is not for you. For you're you. not listening to this podcast anyways. <laughs> and you're doing your own research. But again, there are tons of instructables on how to do this online. So if, you're, if this is a project you've been thinking about... Go to YouTube, man. YouTube. Like this old house has got like five or seven different uh, rainwater collections. Uh, I'm sure that there are a ton of other ones. Mother Earth News has got a couple of uh, DIY, you know, guides. Instructables.com. There's just a ton. So we're going to kind of cover the general things you need to think about, and then everyone specific is going to look a little bit different. So the first thing is the barrel itself. Okay. right what you're actually going to be holding the water in this will be largely determined by the amount of rain you can or want to collect okay. right again you can use huge huge barrels you can use smaller barrels most american most people most most god-fearing americans <laughs> do most of us fear god should most people who are reasonable <laughs> will probably want to use uh <laughs> All right, we're going to start this over. Hold on. Hold on. I have another question. Why do they say God-fearing? Do the people who love God also fear him? Yes. You're oh. supposed to fear God. Why would anyone want to do that? Uh, have you read the Bible? No. Okay. <laughs> He's no, a little why crazy. Would you, why would you get into religion if you're like, man, this guy is really scary and judgy and... Uh, because you don't want to be on his bad side. This guy doesn't... Who's all-powerful? Yeah, you want to be on his good side. The one that nobody's ever seen any true evidence of. But he loves you. <laughs> But also, don't anger him. And also cares deeply, him. deeply about the things you do. Yes, especially with your genitalia. <laughs> All right. Anyways, we're, we're going to restart this okay, one. Okay, okay, so, okay. First thing you want to think about, Corinne, the barrel itself. You can buy, like, specific rainwater barrels. Right. Like, I you imagine can to, they're priced up a bit, though. They are priced up a little bit, way more than they need to be. And they're generally not the best, really, hmm. uh, for, like, building a, a good system that's closed that, you know, doesn't allow, you know, for, like mold or algae to grow in there or something okay the best option for most people is actually a really cheap one which is buying used food grade 55 gallon drums like there are plastic containers that ship industrial like juice or and you can find those pretty yes easily? you can go onto any craigslist anywhere and find who are these people who have them? Factories. Okay. Industrial like users of it have tons of these empty barrels. I would barrels. imagine they reuse them themselves. They can. Some they don't. They, you can buy them for dirt cheap. Okay. They also make food grade things that have never been used before that you can buy. They're a little bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. But buying a used one is like 15 to 40 bucks on Craigslist. Not bad. And you can generally find them within your local area. So these are really cheap. They are made out of a generally out of a durable kind of food grade plastic, right? Um, and then it just requires a little bit of cleaning. Uh, so what you're going to get is a barrel. You want to make sure that you know the provenance of the barrel. So you want to know what was in it. 
basically. Okay. Some of these barrels might have stored chemicals. Some mm. of these barrels might have stored things that might, you know, turn rancid, like oil. Oh, well, yeah, or milk or something that might never be able to get totally cleaned out of yeah. there. So find something that stored frosting or something that stored, honey. like, hun- well, honey's going to be difficult. But, yeah, honey <laughs> would be one. Or uh, I was thinking more like juice is one you find a lot, like high fructose corn syrup, things mm. like that. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, those barrels are going to be a lot easier to clean. Something that stored yeah. olive oil is going to just, you're never, gonna, it's going to seep into the plastic. And Oily you just never, water. Exactly. You're never going to get it all out of there. But your basic, you know, food grade barrel, you can clean it out using a water bleach solution. So like one cup of bleach mixed with two gallons of water, you just kind of dump that into your barrel, like shake it up for a good 30 minutes, just kind of kick it around the yard so it gets into every nook and cranny on the inside of there, and then dump that out and rinse it out. Good to go. You've got a cleaned barrel that can hold food forever, or water in this case, Yes. right? So again, we're talking 15 to 40 bucks on the internet. Not bad. Not bad at all. The other nice thing about these barrels is that they're generally uniform size. So if you want to expand your system, you can kind of just use more of the same barrels rather than having like an odd sized. And they're usually going to be easy for transportation. So they're going to be smart shapes because nobody wants to move. They look like like a 55 gallon drum. They're kind of round and uh, uniform height and whatever. They'll be either stackable or something of that nature. And you're getting to the next one here. So the next one is the site in which you're going to put the barrels, Mm -hmm. the ground itself. So once filled with water, your barrel will be hella heavy. Yeah. So a full 55-gallon barrel of water will weigh 484 pounds. <laughs> because I was going to say, I know a certain group of the population doesn't have access to workout material. will just fill up water into things to use it to work out with. Yeah. What this means is two things for your rain barrel system, right? Is that you aren't going to be moving that barrel once it's full. <laughs> no. And number two, you want to make sure it's secured before it's full. Right. Because things can happen. And so you're going to want to look at the ground where you're going to put the barrel. You so, don't want to put it directly on the ground either. No, you don't. And we'll get into what you want to do. So even if you find... So let's say your downspout pours out onto a, a grassy spot on the side of your house, right? Right. You are not going to want to set that barrel right on that ground there for a couple of reasons. First off, animals or insects can get to it there. Mm-hmm. The other one is that ground is probably not as sturdy as you think it is, especially not when the ground is wet and holding 500 pounds <laughs> of weight on it. It could get muddy and it could tip. And this is the thing. If that ground starts sloshing and that barrel tips to a point of no return, it's going to tip over and drag your gutter with it. Yeah. So you don't want that to happen. So what you're going to do is level that ground and you're going to make it rock solid. So you're going to actually dig out a little bit of that ground, like up to five inches down below ground level, and you're going to fill it with pea gravel. So Pea gravel? Pea gravel. It's what you can buy at Home Depot in big old bags or from a local contractor or you can generally Sometimes find for free at like smud and stuff no pea gravel i don't know from smud but yeah i mean again this is a thing that you can hunt the you know facebook marketplace for some people often have extra that they used for a project and they just want you to haul it away yeah um so you can find this for free sometimes but you want to make sure it's smaller gravel you don't want to big use big rocks uh you want to use about half inch pea gravel like pea size that's well okay. half inch is the size of the rocks yeah um And you want that to, you want to kind of keep tamping that down so it's perfectly level, about five inches of it on the site. And you want it to be a little bit bigger than the footprint of your stand that your food, that your barrels are going to be on. We're going to talk about the stand next, but just know that you want this leveled out graveled area to be a little bit bigger than the stand. Makes sense. Yeah. And if you have the ability, if you've got a nice level, you can also get it a little bit 
like maybe one eighth of a bubble over level so that it's tipped back towards the house towards the house yeah that way if it does tip it ends up hitting the house rather than forward because again what you're most worried about is all of that weight dragging the whole system away from the house and breaking and mm. ripping the gutter off your house you're not so worried about it damaging it hitting the house because it'll just kind of lean on it okay so you, you, again we're talking barely an eighth of a bubble so just yeah, sure. marginally or just flat level if that's fine with you um but either way you want to get that good five inches of gravel down there so that the 500 pounds plus of water that you're going to have stored on there is truly secure and flat make sense yes next step the stand, which we just talked about. You don't want to just set your barrel on the ground for a lot of reasons. Another big one is you want to be able to use that water without having to necessarily dip in off the top all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you put it up on a stand, gravity will do the work. Yeah, you can actually drill a small spout, like a, a faucet on the bottom of it and attach a hose sometimes mm -hmm. or do anything like that. So putting it up also makes it easier to get to and just as easier to clean. It prevents it from getting like wet or mold on the bottom. It's just better to have it raised off the ground. Sure. There are lots of ways you can do this. If you're handy, you can do this with wood. You can do this with any number of systems. Honestly, the easiest and best way is just to set it on some cinder blocks. Stack up a couple of cinder blocks and set it on those. They're cheap. Again, one of these things that on Craigslist, if you're... You might be able to find for free. People might have some extras or they're cleaning out a corner or redoing their yard and they just have some. They need you to haul them away. So if you're patient, you can find six or eight cinder blocks free. Sure. Um, and if you can't, you can usually find them for dirt cheap. So that's what I suggest most people would be willing to do. If you're super handy and you have extra lumber, you can build one. But again, it's got to be able to hold a lot of weight. A lot of weight. So if you're not confident with your building skills, cinder blocks are the better one. The fourth thing we need to think about is the fixings. And by this, I mean all of the smaller parts that you're going to need to get the rain from the gutter to the barrel. Okay. And then out of the barrel to your yard. Right. So... This, again, varies greatly based on your system. Sure. So if you, you can set up elaborate PVC pipe tubing underneath it so that it basically becomes a hose attachment. Okay. Or you can just have it like basically a lid you unscrew and dip a bucket into, mm -hmm. right? And depending on what you do, it's going to vary the fixing. So I didn't want to get too detailed in there, but you do want to have a plan and know all the parts you need. Yeah, I mean, if you're just watering one plant bed, you probably don't need to come up with a whole hose system. You sure. Can just fill up a little bit of a, can, a watering can or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Generally speaking, though, these things will include, as we mentioned before, a downspout. Great. So that you can basically drill a small hole into the bottom of it, attach this thing. It's pretty simple to do. Like I said, there are tons of videos on how to do this stuff. But basically, bottom line for the fixings is find a plan, and there are tons of them online from a reputable source. Uh, a, an established website or like this old house bob vila's old program's got a bunch of you know do-it-yourself plans instructables yeah. or whatever find a plan that looks like okay this guy knows what they're doing mm -hmm. not just some random idiot on youtube no no you want someone over the age of 40 at very least and they will tell you <laughs> all the parts you need and almost i would say 99.99 percent of these parts are readily available in your home depot aisle and if they aren't boring you to death like your dad did whenever he took you to home depot don't trust it that's what i'm saying the one tool that you may need that you might not have is in a power drill i think most people have got a power drill but i don't exactly you don't you can borrow power drills i don't know if people know about these things there are like libraries of things so like the sacramento library runs this thing and i know a lot of other ones do basically rental like free 
borrowing but instead of books it's common oh, items that's amazing yeah they actually have a power drill it's closed due to covid right now <laughs> but it is a option or your neighbor probably has one yeah also power drill is just a good tool to have Corinne. so christmas is coming blah, blah. please don't get me that for christmas <laughs> yeah no <laughs> all right but anyways back to the fixings I'd rather another knife another thing you're gonna need is a diverter so something that's gonna pull the water off of the downspout into your bucket. Right. And these are, again, they're sold as diverters. Uh, oftentimes, if you Google, like, rainwater diversion or gutter, you know, yeah. you'll find a, a basically pre-made kit mm-hmm. that is usually pretty simple to install. Uh, you can do it yourself, again, watching those videos. And you'll also want a way to handle overflow. So, again, if you've got a 55-gallon bucket, you may very well get to the point where you fill it up too much, mm. right? And you don't want that bucket to explode. You don't want the water to back up all the way up into your roof. Yeah. You want that water to be able to go back down the normal gutter or mm. somehow basically get out. Does yeah. that make sense? And that's what an overflow does. But generally, don't you want a little bit of a gap between the, the water pours into the bucket? Or are you trying to have no gap at you all? You can. We'll talk about that a little bit when we get to the the filter okay another thing a lot of people find is a good way to kind of increase their water storage through rainwater is basically a, uh, having a multiple buckets chained together yeah so you can actually put two or three rain barrels right next to each other connected by a pipe mm-hmm. and as one fills up it gets to that level it fills the other one up and then it fills the next one up we've and all so seen can... those uh puzzles online that do that which bucket fills up first <laughs> exactly so you can actually fill up multiple buckets again there's tons of videos for this online but you'll need to cut a hole into your bucket for that and have the piping that you need for that as well okay and again some of these systems are vertical some of them are horizontal some of them i've seen buried in the ground uh so again it all Fancy. whatever you do it really depends the pieces that you need so have your plan all right next up is filtering obviously the water that falls from your roof is going to have stuff in it that came down with it. Leaves, branches, bugs, bugs, poop. poop. You want to keep all of that out of your water as much as possible. So the best way I've seen to do this, a reasonable way to do it, is through two different sets of filters. The first one is a filter that you should probably have on your gutter if you you have gutters anyways, is basically a store-bought commercial gutter filter that sits right over your downspout and prevents leaves and twigs and stuff from clogging it up okay um it's just like a little looks like almost like a light bulb and you just set it kind of in the roof on the gutter that'll prevent anything from dripping all the way down into your bucket and then the next thing you're going to want is a much finer grade filter right on your bucket you had mentioned having it open air so those are two different kinds of systems we talk about an open system so if water is literally pouring and you can see the water Mm -hmm. then it's open yeah if you have it closed you've got a tube that goes all the way into your bucket sure for security of the water's sake and for keeping animals and stuff out of it, a closed system is usually better. Right. But you do have to think, like I said, about that overflow. Yeah. And then you also want a mesh filter on the bottom of that either way to prevent the finer things from getting in there. And by finer things, I mean like larvae and Ew. you know bugs, mosquitoes. Again, especially if you have an open system, mosquitoes will lay in any water. That's true. So what you need is mesh that is at least 1 16th of an inch. Okay. fine so that you so basically that'll prevent adult mosquitoes from getting in there and laying eggs you also need to make sure that that mesh is above the highest level of the water does that make sense yes basically because if water reaches the mesh and goes over the water it's useless now exactly yeah. so you need there to be a little bit of a gap between your 1 16th mesh and the high point of the water and again that high point of the water you is wherever your overflow 
is. Right. But you do need a filter for that, right? But the filter on the roof, the commercial thing to prevent big items, and then a smaller filter are generally going to be good enough to prevent everything from getting into your water. The last thing that you need to think about is seasonal preparedness. Here in Sacramento, really nice. We don't have seasons. Or we don't have... have, We don't really have weather in the way that they have back east. Like for me, November is the time to start thinking about rain. For people in many parts of the country, November, yeah, it's snow and frost and freezing. Freezing water expands, and this can be very bad for a water system. Mm. So it will break pipes. It will burst PVC pipes easily if they're full of water. And so you need to have a plan for how you're going to handle this. Um, This can vary. Most of the Google online, like weatherizing your, getting your rain barrels ready for winter. Put a little blanket up, huh? Well, most of them recommend (laughs) essentially dismantling it. For the winter, because again, if falling snow isn't going to be water that you're going to store in there, you're not going to be able to do anything with a frozen solid bucket of 500 pounds of ice. Yeah. So it might be a good idea to basically store it during the winter. If you're not planning on dismantling it, you need to have a plan to deal with the weather so it doesn't break the piping in it. Great. That's basically it. So those are the big concerns you need to think about when planning your water barrel system. Once you've done all that, it's fairly cheap and fairly easy to assemble. It's like a one-day job, really. If you have all the parts... Just kind of drilling out the holes, putting it together, boom. All of a sudden, you've got gallons and gallons and gallons of extra water storage in your house. We had mentioned before that you can do some rainwater storage in an apartment. Uh, You do definitely want to make sure that the landlord is okay with it. A lot of people install like rainwater collectors on the roof. So if you have roof access in your apartment, you can put a bucket up there. But again, you know you're in a public space. It may be simpler to just literally put out buckets with, you know, little tarps catching more water on your patio if it gets rain. Mm-hmm. And you can collect a small amount of water for your house plants or your small garden on your patio. Um, but there are things you can do if you think a little bit harder about it. Uh, but most people in a house situation have a better chance of collecting rainwater. And that's rainwater collection, Corinne. Woot woot. Yeah, pretty simple, pretty good prep for pretty much everybody no matter where you live, if you live in an area with a lot of rain, it's a good idea. If you live in an area with no rain or very super little rain, idea. it's a super good idea just to stretch your water and make it go a little further. Yeah. I like yeah. it. That's it, guys. So hopefully it's inspired some of you to think about this as a, you know, 2021 new you, new year, new you project. New year, new you. All right, guys. Have a great one. We will see you in another week. Mm-hmm.